You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. There's no doubt. There is not a single law within all the laws of the Torah in its details that doesn't have great secrets concealed. And we have. We have for many of the mitzvahs, in fact, for most of the mitzvahs, we have some, ca- some Kabbalistic understanding of what the real reason behind the mitzvah is. Because the Torah and its laws were given by God. No human mind can encompass, can fathom all that God can state and all that God can plan. Within every law and detail. Echad mini elef, even one out of a thousand, mi prate pratavakatanim, from all the small details. We, whatever you have, you can spend the rest of your life just learning the laws of how to wash your hands to eat. You could spend the rest of your life learning the laws and writing books and studying the secrets, and you will not reach one thousandth of the depth of the meaning of, uh, of even that one single mitzvah. For what human being can stand and fathom the secrets of Hashem. So therefore, I shouldn't try. I shouldn't try to try to give explanations for mitzvahs. Who do I think I am to try to do this? However, our Father in Heaven and His great mercy granted us permission to put our minds to it, to understand He allowed us, He gave us permission to give explanations that are related to the understanding of the verse. Again, you can't say whatever you want, but within the definitions of the Torah, He gave us permission. Whatever comes to our weak and impoverished minds. So I hope that Hashem has mercy on me and gives me a, a good understanding. I hope, I hope that what I'm about to offer should at least be included within those ideas that God wants. Much that I know that there's so much of what Hashem keeps hidden above. May my little bit of offering be accepted by Hashem as if I have a deeper understanding. But I rejoice in Hashem. Who has shown me so much kindness due to His great mercy. So now that I've given this introduction, I'd like to, to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out there and try to give some explanation. to give some understanding. Taking the two birds, killing one, sending away the other. What's going on here? Now, we couldn't, we don't have time to read the whole thing, so we're going to skip around. So let's turn to page, pay base, the next page. Where do we know that Hashem gave us So it would be from Har Sinai, um, where Hashem gave Moshe the Torah, and then he told him that uh, Hashem showed them these are what the future, this is how they're going to understand, this is going to be the, the debate. And uh, 
and also from all the other places where it says, for, for example, if you don't know the laws of a, of a court, if you don't know the laws, you should go to the Sanhedrin, and there it says, they shall give you based on their wisdom and their understanding. And then other places it says in the Torah that the Torah is yours to expound upon and to learn. So it's, it's, it, it, the Torah doesn't quite give us in the, in the Torah itself, doesn't give us exact boundaries for what we're allowed to do. And that's more what's passed on um, in the tradition as part of the Torah Shabal Peh, what are the boundaries of where a person is allowed to go if you're going within the world of Drush, within the world of Remez, within the world of Pshat. So, for example, you, you could, you're allowed to go to a wilder place in the world of Drush than you would in the world of Halacha. Right, so, so these kinds of things, that's all passed on within our tradition. And it can be confusing to some people because some people feel like, well, hey, if he could say this, then why can't I say this? And then the answer is because he knows what he's doing. And, uh. Is there a reason he brings this introduction here? It's not like something he would say in the beginning of a book. I was I was wondering that I I, I I he did not do this earlier in the in the safer, so nowhere before this does he feel like I think in this case he felt like he was treading on dangerous ground because he's he's further away from where he feels typically safe because you know he's he said all kinds of beautiful allusions and the Ramazim and drushes up till now but I think here and may, maybe you'll see it as we as he describes it that. He is kind of going a little further than where he's comfortable. So he says, you know, Hashem, forgive me. Similarly, maybe we can add <coughs> that we also can't knock down something that somebody said from the earlier times, like a big time, let's say Rashi or Ramban. I can't come and say, you know what, I don't like the Ramban's explanation. I, I think, it's a little bit, uh, you know, far-fetched. Well, I, think that, I think that becomes included. Once you have this kind of humility where you know, listen, I don't know everything, but, you know, I have this idea, so I'd like to, then when you approach something like Rashi, Ra- Rashi gives an explanation, you say, listen, I, I, I find Rashi's chat hard to understand, so I'm going to try to offer this new explanation, but you come with that humility. For those people who say, I, this Rashi is ridiculous, it makes no sense to me, I've heard people talk like that, that's because they're, they're coming from the place of arrogance, so typically those explanations will not be acceptable. You don't, unlike what exists in the world out there, you don't have to put anyone down in order to offer up something. We say, Shivim Panim La Torah, the 70 facets to the Torah. It's not like there's already been 70 of anything that you are now stuck, and you've got to find someone to knock out so that you can suggest your, your approach. Right? What if says one thing, and like Tosfos says another, you know, two people have different well, that's Can you say, I disagree with Rashi? Well, you can, you can use the words disagree because you could just say, like, as part of a discussion, in the same way where if you see two Rabbanim talking to each other, you, you'll see that it almost looks like they're about to throw something at you. You don't know what you're talking I can't believe you said this. Where did you go to school? You know, they start to, oh, but that's all part of uh, a kind of a loving uh, in, inter, inter, interaction. But it, it, it's all about, yeah. But, discussion. Right, but it's all about the, the what's in your mind. If you actually think, if anyone thinks that they are entitled to give an actual opinion on Rashi, then basically don't ever listen to that person's Torah. Like the, they can talk that way and say, "Well, I, I got to disagree with Rashi. I'm going to offer my own shot." But really, they have that respect for Rashi. Then you can. But if someone actually 
thinks that Rashi was just a guy like me, and he's giving a pshat, and I'm giving a pshat too. In fact, mine seems w- way more logical. So, you know, if I were Rashi, I would have told him to write this differently. If you're there, then don't ever listen to, to such a... Okay. Belavo el ha'inyan. Is he on page pay base? So in order for me to explain this, Naskira Maimar Rambam Zal, I want to teach you a teaching of the Rambam. This is not often quoted in the Rambam, because not so many people read the Rambam's commentary to Avos. But um, this is what he says, The Rambam divides all of speech into five categories. Mitzvah bo, speech you are commanded to use. Nizarimanu, speech you are prohibited from speaking. Nimas, speech which is disgusting, despicable. Ahuv, speech which is beloved. And then Mutter, speech which is permitted. And what are they? Harishan, the first kind, speech you are commanded. Huludabe b'Torah mitzvahs. That's to speak in Torah and to any performance of mitzvahs. Davening. Hasheni, number two, speech you are prohibited. Edus Sheker, false testimony. Urechilus, or gossip, mongering. That's prohibited. Shlishi, despicable or disgusting. Sipure Ma'arais, just talking about things. Talking about things, it says the Rambam, falls under the category of despicable. There's no purpose. You are just talking about what's happening. What's going on. Well, we'll see. We're going to define that a little better. Haravi, the fourth, which is beloved, which is to discuss morality and immorality, to discuss good behavior and bad behavior. Hachamishi number five, which is what's permitted, you have to talk in business, parnasaso, for your uh, livelihood, machal of your food. In other words, things that you need to talk about day to day. Vani ba'ani says the Alshech, I, in my humble opinion, ani literally means in my impoverished state, which is how you disagree. Raisi I thought about this Rambam, and I think, I think that the Rambam, five categories, can really be put into three. Because talking about morality and immorality, that should be included in the midst of studying Torah. So therefore, I'm going to count that together. In fact, look at Pirkei Avos. Pirkei Avos is all about morality and immorality, things you should do in your behavior and things you shouldn't do, and that's Torah. That's part of Torah. Also, number two and number three, which is prohibited speech and wasted speech. I think they're both the same thing. Because Hashem despises them both. Now, what has the Alshech gained by making it into three categories instead of five? In other words, the Rambam has mitzvah avera on the two extremes, and then not mitzvah or avera, but speech we encourage, speech we discourage uh, again. And in the middle, he has things which you're allowed. He just makes it permitted, prohibited, and allowed. Mm. So to explain this, um, that there's nothing compared to using your power of speech for Torah and mitzvahs. 
There's nothing to add to it. But especially since when you speak in Torah and mitzvahs, it's impossible for you to somehow misuse or corrupt if you're learning properly. A person's learning Torah. So he says, uh, um, uh, as one of the uh, great commentators said, that one of the biggest rewards you get for studying Torah is that at that time you didn't speak Lashon Hara. <laughs> so he's saying that basically there you're safe. He says, um, in fact, I want to take the three categories and make them into two. Because when you talk in order to keep your livelihood going of things you need to speak, speak. And when you eat, in order to be able to say to your soul, and you keep your speech during business away from theft and robbery, and you do your business in a permitted way, where you transact, you give and you take with trustworthiness and with honesty, that too is good in the eyes of Hashem. So he says, uh, the Rambam makes it five categories. I think there are only three, which is permitted, prohibited, and allowed. But even the allowed, if you use it in the right way, if you are having a regular conversation in business, and you are careful to be honest and fair and follow the law, and you um, keep to all the appropriate boundaries of speech and all of that, he says, that's not allowed, that's a mitzvah, to speak the right way. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like the right word, because it means the same thing as allowed. What? I mean, permitted, permitted, doesn't mean the same thing. Oh, we're not allowed. using the word permitted. Commanded, commanded maybe? Yeah, commanded yeah, yeah. It, would be, it would be encouraged or commanded, yeah. Right. So now this speech, which you're calling um, just allowed, meaning permissible, as if it's neutral, he says there is no neutral. You are now doing your business according to Torah law. That's a fulfillment of the will of Hashem. And this is the way we have to approach life. Because many of us, and that's what the Ashach is coming to oppose to a certain extent. Many of us think that our Judaism is when we're davening and when we're learning. So we're Jewish for three, four hours a day. And the rest of the time we're human beings uh, like everyone else. He's saying, no, every moment of your life, even when you go to sleep, if you are doing it in order for it to be part of your service of Hashem, that's a mitzvah. So all day long, you're doing mitzvahs. You can wake up in the morning and uh, do whatever you need to do, and that's all Hashem Shemaim. Then you can go to work. You can go to work, and you can even do something, I mean, obviously if you're doing the kind of work where it's more obvious to see the hand of Hashem and the service of Hashem, if you're a doctor, if you're there's something like that, you're helping people, that's all a, a, a job which is itself chesed, that's, that's of course you have to be mechav and Hashem Shemaim to do the mitzvahs of Hashem, you know, Hashem is the great doctor, so if someone's a doctor they have to think, I'm a messenger of Hashem, stuff like that, that's all that, that, those are, he's saying even if all you're doing all day is you're standing there in an assembly line with a, with a gun and you're screwing in um, the same screw one million times um, every day, 
nevertheless, you are doing this for the sake of supporting yourself and your family in order to provide for a livelihood so that you can live in the service of Hashem. Every single one of those um, bolts that you put in is a mitzvah of the Torah. As the Gemara tells us, that uh, the Medrash tells us about Chanoch, who every stitch he put, he was a shoemaker, and every stitch that he put into the shoe, he would say, Baruch Shem Kvod Malchusa, which means that he was honoring Hashem with every little thing that every stitch he put into the shoe, even though it's not some great... Uh, so he says, if you're following the laws of the Torah with your business, and he's focused more on the speech, Every word you say, if when your business transactions, and that includes your eating and your drinking, you do it with piety, then even this other second kind of speech, which is the permitted, would also be accepted by Hashem. Even though obviously, that it's not going to be the same level as, as actually studying Torah. The third part, which is wasted speech, or and gossip, as uh, you know, false uh, and uh, speaking negatively about people, and vulgarity. If it comes out of a person in a bad way, that's all bad. A person should distance himself from that, like the heaven from earth. Meaning that then you've got, so basically you've got what's, what you're commanded, that's all going to be mitzvah versus what you're prohibited. So speech comes down to two. What you should say and what you shouldn't say. Even if you can divide up what you should say into further categories, but nevertheless, it's really two categories. So my heart was murmuring in a good way. Um, he says, that's what I think is happening here. We have two kinds of speech. One is speech which is connected directly to Torah mitzvahs. And then there's the speech which involves my mundane day-to-day life. Those are the two birds. There's a third bird, which is the bird of prohibited speech. You don't take that bird. But when the Mitzorah, as we know, is a Mitzorah because he spoke in the improper way. So after his purification, he brings two birds. Because birds chatter. They chirp. Mm-hmm. They represent speech. Um, so, he's, as, as we'll see as he goes on, the Torah is telling you to take two birds. One is going to represent the birds that you should be speaking. Torah and mitzvahs. And the other one is going to be um, the, the speech of which it's open for how you use it. That's why the Torah has to tell you, take two kosher living birds, because they're both alive. One is for the livelihood of your soul, and the other one represents the livelihood of your body. So the two living birds are representing the chirping to maintain your life. 
the chirping of Torah and mitzvahs, or the chirping of your day-to-day interactions. Gam shneim tahorim, they both need to be kosher. Shuki yezevazet tahoros, mishulalus pliyah, they should both be l'shem shemayim. Avobadibur suga shlishi, the third kind, hadoma le'etz erez, that's the dead cedar wood. That has no fruits. That is completely baseless and useless. That's the cedar wood, and uh, I'm not going to go into all of it because I want to get to the next part here. But uh, actually, let's just do a little bit of the cedar wood. Um, the cedar wood doesn't give fruit. It doesn't have a good smell, it doesn't have a good taste. Which is your wasted speech. It is a very tall tree. Which represents your prohibited speech, which is all about ego and arrogance. That's where all of it comes from. Because that's really Lashon Hara. People who speak Lashon Hara, the most important factor is, Our mouths are ours. Don't tell me what to do. Lashon Hara comes from that person who feels no sense of responsibility and obligation and will just talk and talk for the sake of talking. Right? These people who put comments on wherever they want to speak because, you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so to get away from all that, to get away from the prohibited uh, speech, uh, so uh, I'm, we're going to skip here, because basically where he's going to go is, he's going to explain that the worm represents the shni tolas, the word for the wool, the crimson wool, mm-hmm. the word tolas means worm, so the worm represents humility, and the azov represents humility, and all of that is meant to allude to the fact that all of that speech needs to be done. You're no longer the person who's going to talk that way about people. You don't need to use your speech. Speech is your most powerful tool. In fact, it is what makes you, it is what makes you a human being. And when we take our speech and we use it to hurt people and to put people down and to, for the sake of our haughtiness, that is a disgrace and that's all that other stuff. But let's go back to the birds. See, see on page 891. And so you shecht, you slaughter, ritually, one of the birds. The one you slaughter is the better one of the two. The one that's healthier. And into an earthenware vessel. The first speech, the bird which you slaughter is the bird which represents your Torah and your mitzvahs. Which means that you are, because you know we're supposed to give our life up for Torah. We're supposed to sacrifice all of our personal indulgences and needs to the point where our sages use the expression um, you can't really come to Torah kill yourself for it so he's saying that's the slaughtering of the bird representing Torah into an earthenware vessel that's your body your body is the earthenware vessel filled with fresh water fresh water represents the Torah 
for it's for that water that you're giving away your power of speech until all of your speech and all of your energies are exhausted on that because you're basically killing yourself, you're giving yourself up for the sake of that. So he's imagining that the Kohen who's imparting this to this, um, to this individual, and you can see why some of this is a little bit, um, I'm going to fill this in here, some of this is a little bit, I use the word wild, but, but kind of uh, very imaginative and creative, and maybe that's why he used this um, um, disclaimer at the beginning, because he's picturing the slaughtering of the bird as the slaughtering or complete sacrifice of all of your energies for speech into the body over fresh water as being dedicated to Torah. As if you've got a limited amount of speech, which some who say that, but as if you've got a limited amount of speech and you should only use it for Torah and mitzvahs. In other words, nailing in the message that after this week of contemplation and... We, well, more, however long, long he was locked long out. They were right. out. This is to remind you once more before you go out in the world. Right, you got right. Here. But, but to say that you slaughter the bird over it, that sounds like, okay. And then, as a tzipor the living bird, doesn't mean we reject the living bird. And that's the mistake that people think. Well, if I'm always studying and davening, then how am I going to live my life? The Torah, they, we don't have a religion that discourages you from a healthy, appropriate, regular, and um, the rest of your life outside of the, of the direct performance of Torah mitzvahs. On the contrary, elevate that. Kim so take it. Take it means welcome it. May give yourself a life where there are all other different parts of your life. the living bird don't reject it. But here's what you do. dip it into the blood of the slaughtered bird. As basically as we'll read in the rest of this paragraph, make it connected to your Torah. Let it carry that those drops of your sacrifice to Torah. Let it carry it out into the field. You go out there into the world, bring with you the Torah and the mitzvahs that you're learning, the ideals and the morals that you're picking up from the Torah. Bring that in and let that affect the rest of your life. He says, Kilo Tomer, don't say, Alo Bafanashneafachim. I have two opposites. Hames Gufial Torah. I'm gonna kill myself for the sake of Torah. I'm gonna dedicate myself to Torah. And base, Gufi. But then I have the opposite. I have to get myself involved in my daily life. There are two contradicting ideals. That's the way the world teaches, because there are other religions out there that say if you want to be holy, you can't partake of the world. That's not what we believe. The living bird representing your daily life. Take it. Don't abandon it. But not so that you can stuff your face and drink till stupor and wear um, um, all the fanciest 
clothing in the world. That's not what I mean either. Right? It's all about balance. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. Whatever is appropriate. Whatever is, whatever is fitting. In fact, uh, there might be uh, you know, there's some discussion in, 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 in halacha as to whether a person is allowed to dress down from the level that they're on. It was, uh, basically, the uh, uh, m- most common approach is that there's a certain range within every person on where they are, and you, you're allowed to stay within the lower edge of that range. But for a person to dress in rags, when really they're, they're, that might be a certain amount of uh, um, a, a lack of appreciation to Hashem. What about all of these Hasidim uh, who would go off uh, in disguise so they wouldn't be recognized. Well, as th- that's, that's for specific instances and situations. A person is allowed to do that even if they're wealthy. They're allowed to, for example, go out there and suffer some exile. and That, that would be okay. But just in general, mm-hmm. a person has to stay within a certain range. So not only are we saying that you're allowed to be out there in the world, He's saying, that that's what we teach him. This Mitzorah is so paranoid about getting his leprosy back that he's going to take a tiny's Debor, he's only going to talk Torah Mitzvahs, and we say to him, no, you, you need to transition yourself not into the other extreme. Be normal. You should be able to have normal conversations with people. You're supposed to be able to make people feel good. You just have to learn how to balance it and not let that arrogance try to get you to start putting people down. Meaning, of course, you've got the blood of the animal, of the bird that you killed, that one which is dedicated completely to Hashem. But your personal life, you should be involved in it. Your soul will be better off if you sustain your body. Take pleasure on Shabbos and Yom Tov. The, the thing is, you have to make sure you keep your priorities straight. People who wear um, you know, $10,000 uh, power suits um, on Monday and then um, Hawaiian shirts on Shabbos, you know, that's, that's a problem. It should be the other way around. Or at least, in other words, find a way to channel that in a positive way. You dip the living bird within the blood of the shechted bird. So that all, everything you do in your life, should be embedded, should be dipped in the inner depths of the Torah. Because by blood, it represents the life. And that, that's what it means in the blood of the, of the kosher bird. And he goes on to talk about that the halacha is that you have to dip the, the tail in, into, into, it says that uh, you dip the tips of the wings and the edge of the tail into the blood specifically. And he goes into the uh, meaning of that. We're, we don't have time to go through all of it. But uh, basically it has to do with uh, um, e- e- the wings being the vehicles by which the bird moves and the tail representing the vision of the future, which is going to be the end of the life the person should be looking at in life. But the point of the point of this, and I want to re- um, just sum this up, he's going to go into every single detail of the birds and show how all of it is meant to be a lesson. And it, the, what we need to learn, besides for the lesson itself, which is, mm-hmm. which is amazing, but taking us back to the beginning, I, I think this is a good example of once you see it, 
it kind of, it, it's, it's so beautifully arranged that you kind of, uh, it gives you an opening to realize that all these details are not just random details. And the Alshech started off by saying that, think about the fact that this is nothing compared to the secrets that are inside it. This kind of thought that the Alshech does, and the fact that he opens our eyes to such beautiful Torah and such important messages and things that we need to hear anyway, but to show how that's included within the lesson of the Mitzorah and how well it fits with every detail. So something that seemed so bizarre to us is now so beautifully arranged, how much more so of the rest of the Torah. And uh, so may we merit that Hashem should give us insight into the rest of the Torah. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 